You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go ahead and search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and fantasy sports. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked On NBA. They are going daily now, Monday through Friday. It used to be a weekly show. They've updated that to a week daily show just like this one so you can get all of your NBA coverage through the Locked On NBA show. It is being hosted by multiple hosts around the Locked On NBA network. So a really good time. You might hear us one day on Locked On NBA. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll make sure to let you know on Twitter at Locked On Hornets uh, when we do that. I'm Doug Branson. I host this show. Uh, I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker. That's right, Doug. And the Bobcats, I think that was the last time we saw a four-game win streak. Am I right? Or have we seen one since then? I feel like it's been a while. They they haven't done it this season. We know that. That's been well publicized. They've been able to get a couple of three-game winning streaks going. But with a win against the Detroit Pistons on Sunday, they finally do something that they haven't been able to do all season. And more importantly, David, something that they're going to need to do uh, more if they want to make the playoffs, which is string four, five, six games together. We'll see if they can continue that streak on Tuesday when they play the Chicago Bulls. But hold on, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We have to go back and recap this weekend of Hornets action. Talk some ball on a Monday, get you ready for this week ahead of Hornets basketball. Plus, I want to answer later on, on in the show, I want to answer this question, David. Very important question. Why are they winning all of a sudden? Why are the Hornets playing the best ball of the season right now? It's funny. After the win against Detroit, Eric Collins says, the Hornets are playing their best basketball at exactly the right time. <laughs> and I was like, well. <laughs> the, the last ex- possible time. Yeah, the, that, that, that would have been the better description. The exact right time would have been to see the Hornets do this from the jump. But this is how the Hornets make the playoffs. This is how they do it now. Yes, they decide they want to make the playoffs sometime in February, and then they go on these these historic runs. It's the last two times they made the playoffs. They've won 20 or more games after the All-Star break. So this is what the Hornets do. This is what they're going to have to continue to do. So we'll answer that question. Why are they winning later in the show? If you have an opinion on that, tweet us. At Locked On Hornets, we always love to hear from you, or you can uh, follow us on Instagram as well and uh, comment, like our photos on there, and of course, share this podcast with others. Sharing is caring. Help a Hornets fan, save a Hornets fan's life by uh, telling them about the best Hornets podcast on the web. And you can always go to LockedOnHornets.com and check us out there as well. Okay, let's rewind. Let's go to the weekend recap here. First, back to Friday. The Hornets play the Wizards. They win 122-105, to 3-0 this year against a good Wizards team. And David, when we last left the audience on Friday, when we weren't talking about Dubs men bodies, men's body wash, 
were, we were talking about the fact that they had beaten the Brooklyn Nets, and that was good. Two-game winning streak. They come back, they get a win against a, a fast and energetic, a youthful Brooklyn Nets team, but a bad Brooklyn Nets team, right? An injured Brooklyn Nets team. It was, a, it was a game the Hornets controlled, but at the same time we said, okay, hold on. It's still the Brooklyn Nets. Now they got to go beat Washington. Then they play Detroit. Detroit's a team that needs wins just as badly as the Hornets do if they want to make the playoffs. So those are going to be the true litmus test. Well, they they go to Washington and they beat the pants off the Wizards, one twenty two to one hundred five. David, what did you see in this game? Yeah, I mean, this was a, a Washington team that, even though without John Wall, people were asking if they were better without John Wall. I don't think that's true. Um, but <laughs> confirm, they, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, not, you're listen as a team, <laughs> you're not, you're never going to be better without your best player. Right, it's just right. not going to happen. But they were playing well. I mean, they were playing well, Doug, and, and this was in Washington. And the Hornets, man, they really impressed me by just jumping on them from the beginning. Came out with a ton of energy. And we've been looking at this team all season and the things they do well, right? Like the turnovers are low. They usually win the battle of the boards. They usually shoot a lot more free throws and get a lot more free throw points than do their opponents. But like all of those things never haven't added up to wins uh, because mainly because they haven't been able to convert in other areas and, and, and the shooting the ball has been a, a struggle for this team all year. But after this all-star break, I mean, they have been on fire and then this one, 49% from the field, uh, 17 of 39 from three. That's good for 44% from three and 122 points on a Wizards team in their home building. You know, health, I think, has a lot to do with it, but they are just flat out playing a lot better offensive basketball, sharing the ball, getting people involved. You're actually starting to see – you know, some of this uh, two-man game between Nick Batum and, and Dwight Howard develops. I mean, it, it feels like almost everything is clicking for them out of the All-Star break in this little uh, game stretch right here. I like that you said that about Nick Batum and Dwight Howard because it does start to feel like they are they're figuring some things out. They're, they've got mm-hmm. that little they've got that little move where uh, Batum kind of sets up top of the key, maybe beyond the three point line. And Dwight Howard does that little. He sort of sets his man up like he's going to back down and and get the post feed, and then makes a spin around towards the basket. And uh, Nick Batum lofts it up there. It doesn't work every time, but it's just good to see those two guys getting along, trying to figure out some ways to facilitate for each other on offense. And I think there was a moment in this game where Batum hit him for one of those lobs, and then the next time down, Dwight Howard shared the ball with Batum. And so, again, that tit-for-tat, that's what you want to see uh, out of two of your best players on the team. But, yes, the three-point shooting, 39 attempts. That's a big deal. Right. Fine, 17 makes, 43%. That's going to help your team win any ball game. But yeah. 39 takes is 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 pretty amazing number. Also, the turnovers, 28 points off of Washington turnovers. That's usually what the Wizards do to other teams, and a lot of that has to do with John Wall. But, again, Charlotte taking advantage of that opportunity. They come out, they get steals, and they turn it into easy offense. And that's what this offense needs. They have to get down quickly, and it allows guys like Marvin Williams to knock down open three-point shots, get into get into those scramble plays where Frank Kaminsky can hit them as well. He was Man. six of nine from from beyond the arc, twenty-three points. Bench scoring uh, finally returned. Didn't get much of that against Brooklyn. 
uh, you had uh, Frank Kaminsky score 23, Jeremy Lamb score 13. Almost all five starters scored in double figures for the second straight game, but two missed that by two points. But he had eight assists. You just have everybody sort of doing their job, helping each other out. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Kemba was pretty special in this one, per usual for him. I mean, down the stretch especially. He made some tough buckets as he as he does. But, I mean, we should talk about Frank a little bit more because you were rather worried. I think everyone was worried with him after the, the Nets game. Uh, you know, what had happened to him over the All-Star break. And, man, did he bounce back in a major way. We could talk about Sunday's game as well. But he, he kicked things off in this one. Uh, to, what, 23 points? You mentioned the 6 of 9 from 3. I mean, it's just incredible to see him play with confidence, and and it's literally two different players. I mean, that's the that's that's the stark difference between when he is playing with confidence, things are going his way, and when he's not, he's just not a factor at all. And in this one, you know, he was a big contributing factor to to the success they had at three and their overall team success for the win. Yeah, three triples for 11 points in the fourth quarter helped close the door completely on the Wizards in this game. And then I looked at the defensive numbers because now on on this, on the stats page on NBA.com, you can look at matchup data, which is which is a godsend. Thank you, NBA stat, stats page, for, for putting that together. They used to have something like that on the media stats page, and then that went away, and now they've got it on the stats page again. So it's awesome, and you can see – uh, on there that uh, the Wizards shot one of six against Frank Kaminsky. So mm. he was playing defense as well, and we've seen this time and again. When he when he's confident on the offensive end, he tends to play a little better on the defensive end. And we challenged not only Frank Kaminsky, but I think we were challenging the Hornets in general to carry over a good defensive performance against the Nets into the second night of a back-to-back against yeah. a Wizards team that was also on the second night of a back-to-back. They beat the Cavaliers the previous night. So, again, going back to your point, it's not like the Wizards were incapable of, of winning without John Wall. They beat the, they beat the Cavs. Uh, but the Hornets go in, and, and another great defensive performance. They hold the Wizards uh, to 30. I mean, decent shooting numbers for the Washington Wizards. Let's give them credit. Uh, 49% from the field, 36% uh, from beyond the arc. But, but you know, you don't allow uh, some of the auxiliary players like Sadoransky, who was playing well. You know, Oubre only scores 11 points. He's been hot for them. He was only 5 of 11 from the field. Definitely could have been more efficient for him. Otto Porter, only two made threes. You know, 36% from the field, that's a pretty good number from beyond the arc for the Wizards, but only nine makes. So they were running, yeah. you know, the whole, you could see the whole defense was focused on running them off the three-point line, getting them to take twos, similar defensively to what they did against Brooklyn, and it worked again. Yeah, I mean, Beal's tough. He played like an all-star. Uh, you know, he looked really good. He was their main guy. You had the feeling that if he could get a little help, you know, they, they, they could climb back into this one and, and get the win for Washington, but you know, fortunately for Charlotte, you had guys like Frank uh, and some bench help there to go along with Kemba and a good performance from the rest of the starters. But Beal was, you know, he he's good. I don't know. This is kind of a, a Wizards type thing. I mean, what do they do with this group? Not to go off on a tangent here, but it's, you know, the wall thing. They've got some drama every year. You, it's it's weird to see, you know, a backcourt like that with Beal and Wall. The potential you think is there. They just have not been able really to put it together. Well, and a lot of that is because they've spent the past three or four seasons without any depth. I yeah. mean, this bench was, you know, this bench for Washington was not a threat at all 
against the Charlotte Hornets, and the Hornets don't have great depth either. It's playing well right now. The bench has been a big part of why they're winning, but uh, the, the you know Washington just had no answer for this bench unit, and ha- they have to play starters a lot. All right, so let's move on to Detroit. Uh, yesterday, the Hornets get an afternoon win, one fourteen to ninety eight. Another uh, dominating win against an Eastern Conference team again that is not in playoff contention right now. But Detroit, uh, only two games under five hundred, and they're a team that needs wins just as desperately. They were coming off a blowout loss against the Boston Celtics, so you thought maybe they would come into this one uh, ready to rebound and and play well, but they just did not. Uh, the Hornets jumped yeah. on them 70-46 to 46 in the first half. David, what did you see in this one? It was over <laughs> as soon as it started. I mean, th- the first thing you think about in a game like this when you see that score and you see the start of this is that 1 o'clock start. I mean, it's a little cliche at this point, but they even talked about it during the game. The Detroit Pistons did not look ready to play at all. Uh, the Hornets took advantage of that and continued their hot shooting again, man. I mean, they were sharing the ball really well. Uh, Nick Batum had another uh, stat-stuffing game when he was all over the place. I think he chipped in, what, 15 points on, on, on this night to go along with nine assists, five rebounds, three steals, and a block. I mean, he was doing it all. And, of course, Kemba was special again. And Frank, I mean, uh, another nice game from Frank Kaminsky, 13 points, uh, three from five from the three-point line, as well as the bench. I mean, the starters started off hot, but you didn't have the letdown, Doug, right? Like, that's what we've seen so many times. When these two groups can play well on the same night, uh, it just gives them that much more of a chance to win. And, and there was no letdown when the when the uh, bench came in for the Hornets. Mentioning the afternoon start, here's what Cody Zeller said after the game. Quote, Coach tells us all the time that these 1 o'clock afternoon starts, there are more blowouts in these games than any other ones just because it's kind of different routines for everyone. It's just really whoever comes out and has more energy. He really preaches that to us before every one of these afternoon games, and it made the difference. We came out in that first half and got them out of their rhythm. Uh, you, Dwight Howard was 7 of 7. They went to him early and often, and Howard has seemed to have the advantage over Andre Drummond. Yeah. Drummond the all-star, Drummond playing better probably overall than Howard this season, but that Howard-Drummond matchup has been all Dwight Howard, and the Hornets knew it, and they attacked it early. And uh, also in that first half, the Hornets were 8 of 17 from the three-point line. They had a balanced scoring attack from the bench. We saw that against Brooklyn as well. For so long this season, it's been Frank Kaminsky, Jeremy Lamb, and then just crumbs down that down that right. bench. But now we're seeing some threats from Travion, from MCW, from Zeller, Cody. who's getting yeah. yeah, he's getting much more comfortable. We're kind of giving away our next segment, but yeah. that's you know, and they even they even fended off uh, four fouls for Dwight Howard with seven thirty left in the third. That could have been a problem for the Hornets, but they were able to stave off run after run that that Detroit tried to make in that second half. Yeah, and we should mention Dwight teetering or getting up close to the 16 technical free throw limit that would, I guess, would cost him a game, maybe some money. Uh, definitely a game in there. Uh, it looked like he might get one. Today, Let's just Doug. say he's he's gonna he's going to oh, get. It's to, happening. Yeah, it's, it's happening. 100 happening. Right. <laughs> so it's just a matter of hopefully it's 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 just sort of a crapshoot at this point. Hopefully it happens on a night where they would not need his advantage. It, it feels like they always need his sort of his rim protection, 
But hopefully it's on a night where, you know, it would give Zeller a, a good matchup if he had to sub in there. Yeah, like this game in particular, I mean, I think uh, Griffin was getting frustrated. Uh, you mentioned the Drummond matchup. Dwight's dominated that all year. Um, so an interesting turn of events for the Pistons in this game. And we talked a little bit about the jolt that Blake Griffin had given this roster initially. But over the last couple of games, that has not been the case. Let me ask you this, Doug. Did this uh, close the door on any <laughs> Jeff Bauer uh, possibilities as the new GM of the Hornets for you? Oh, I don't think so. I think, listen, <laughs> if you're Detroit, you you look, if you want to make the playoffs you if and you have an opportunity to go out and get a superstar player, it's just like the Hornets. Oh, if yeah, the Hornets yeah. had that same opportunity, you take it every time and twice on Sunday because as a small market, that's how you get players like Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's not entertaining the Detroit Pistons in free agency. No, he, no, he puts, not that move, not that move in and of itself, just more of how the team is made up as a whole. I guess you're just not, you're just, you don't feel the power of Bauer. You're just not not, in on Bauer. You're not in on Bauer. That's (laughs) that much. I think is very clear. Uh, So the Hornets shut the door on Detroit. Uh, The bench play. Once again, they step up 51 points uh, from the bench. Kaminsky shot. Well, Michael Carter Williams, an actual factor offensively. He looks confident. He looks like he's having fun. I mean that's the big thing to me. Like he has, he's looking like he has more fun right now than he's had all season. He's knocking down layups, you know. He's he's trying to find a three point shot, so he's going to take more than I'm sure people are comfortable with him taking. Fans probably so don't want to see take one. Right. He, yep. He's trying to figure. It's just like Dwight Howard taking these mid range jump shots. I get it. I get why it's frustrating. But at the same time, look, if you're going to expand your game, you can't you can't not take the shot. You know, I mean, you could practice it all day long, but you have to you have to send these things out into into the game and and try to figure them out. Uh, so you're and they're right. in the flow. I mean, they're in the flow right. of the game. He I wasn't forced. They're in the flow of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything was in the flow of the game for the Hornets to, uh, on Sunday. I mean, everything was working and the ball was zipping around, so everything was looking good. But you know, when he was playing with Kemba too, they had a lot of success, and he was able to find some guys. And you saw Kemba and. And MCW laughing it up when he was able to dish out a couple of assists. I mean, if that's something they can get every once in a while, you know, like they just haven't been able to get that, have a lot of success with anyone out there playing with Kemba in the backup point guard position. Like we always go back and say, since Jeremy Lin and MCW has struggled so much this season as a result, you know, Kemba's had to take on so much and they've also had to rely on, up until now, not a healthy Nick Batum. So, like, if they can add MCW confidence, if he can be another guy, just a few minutes, Doug, that's all they need, right? They All they need is a couple minutes for yeah. him to go in there, facilitate, and, and and do a few things for the team. I mean, that could, that could be a big boost to them down the stretch. What's interesting, too, is that Michael Carter-Williams talked a lot about after the game about how players are – trusting each other on that bench unit a lot more sharing the basketball we talked about the balance scoring from the bench and and some of these guys that were struggling they're getting the ball a little bit more and and they're 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 making things happen that they weren't in the first half of the season you're not seeing so so much action called for Frank Kaminsky and Jeremy Lamb you're seeing other guys get some more opportunities and, and I'm sure it helps 
Michael Carter-Williams that he's getting some better screens from Cody Zeller than he may have gotten in the past, mm-hmm. but he's also getting the ball in transition. Like They're trusting yep. him, they're passing him the ball, and he's making the most of those opportunities, and that's, gonna, that's going to be important. If, if Jeremy Lamb... Uh, doesn't you know sort of has an opportunity to pass you the ball and doesn't that can that can take you out mentally I think and so you're, you're seeing everyone just sort of lean on everyone else sharing the basketball it's been very important to this team all right we're going to take a short break we're going to come back we're going to talk about why this team is winning the way they are and we'll speculate if it can continue and we might ask one more question which is this which I'd love to hear from people on 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 Twitter at Locked On Hornets uh, this is the question. It was posed by our friend Nada the Scribe, Nada Edwards, on on our little group chat, which is, at what point would you be comfortable with the team completely running this thing back next season, not making drastic moves in the offseason to retool? At what point? How many wins would it take to convince you that, hey, maybe maybe this experiment it got off to an extremely rough start, but maybe there's still a glimmer of hope for this group yet? Let us know on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Locked On Hornets. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. He is obsessed with Kawhi Leonard. He is obsessed he's with obsessed bringing with winning an All Star to Charlotte, and he's lying. He's not telling the truth. He's lying. He's lying through his teeth. <laughs> you can't believe him. <laughs> Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. David, I believe it was Friday that you revealed that you are going to be a T-ball coach coming oh up. This is still true, yes. So what's your coaching style going to be? Have you thought about <laughs> it? Have you given much thought to like your, your style? Ah. <sighs> I've tried to watch all of the movies having to do with coaching any sort of youth team. Uh, so I've got a little Keanu Reeves. I got some bad news bears. Mm-hmm. What else do we have out there? Should um, give, give, uh, give over the top a shot. Over the, yeah. Okay. Sure. He coaches yeah. his, he coaches his son in one he of sure the does. weirdest scenes, uh, arm wrestling scenes. <laughs> there aren't many arm wrestling scenes in movie history, but it was certainly, certainly one of the oddest. Uh, I just got a chance to watch Over the Top with with my dad uh, over the weekend, and oh. it's just a fantastic movie. I've seen it a bunch of times, but it was on sure. Stars. We were just kind of channel surfing, and uh, just a great flick. If you've never seen it, Sly Stallone is a truck driver, but he's also an arm wrestler, and uh, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie, but there is an arm wrestling championship <laughs> at the end. David, and you're very familiar with this movie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Here's yeah. my – I just want to ask up. this quick question, okay? Uh, first of all, it's not even – well, it, there is a question, but I have to say this first. So at the end, when they do the, the championship, they mention like a thousand times that it's a double elimination tournament. I don't know mm. if you remember this, but the referee yeah. literally says it 15 times to make sure that you understand the plot point – that it's so because when Sly loses the first time, or Lincoln Hawk, his character, loses, it's like it's he's not out of it because it's a double elimination tournament. They get to the finals, and he's against Bull Hurley, who hasn't been beaten in five years. And and Lincoln, I'm gonna give away the whole movie. He beats him. <laughs> all right. And but believe it or not. But he but 
he does. I thought I was like, okay, here we go. Set it up. He's got to do it again. Because remember, he hasn't been beaten in five years. But no, that's it. Lincoln wins. What? What? How? What? You told us fifteen times that it was a double elimination tournament, and now he just wins. Didn't make any sense. I was very upset that this movie about a an arm wrestling truck driver was short on on plot realism. I, you know, I think they just got caught up in the emotion and. <laughs> And the eighties, the eighties yeah. hairband uplifting music. When that music kicks in, hey, that's it. You know, it's a W. Put it up there for slot. The winner takes it all. The loser takes the fall. Yeah, you watched that movie. You definitely watched it. <laughs> that proved it. You absolutely watched it. No, uh, if anyone has a T-ball tips for me, yeah, let me know. Or wants to be an assistant, I can use. Are you going Capri Sun Cooler or Kool Aid Burst with the Man, twist? Top? I have not even. Yeah, I have not even. Are got, you planning oh a full God. rebuild or are you trying Excuse to make the playoffs? Me. Next time you you better come with answers on this. Day. Listen, you better. You I were can't holding tell the, you how much anxiety I have about. We're gonna this hold. Already. We're gonna hold media day for your T ball team, and we're gonna That's have right. a press conference, and you're going to have to answer our listener listeners send in your questions because we're going to we're gonna put this man on the podium. And he's going to have to answer the tough questions about this T-ball season. We're all expecting a championship. I just want you to know. Oh, well, there's, it's championship or bust. That's it. That's, that's a motto. That's, I just sent the email out to the parents tonight. This is all about winning. If you're not committed 100%, don't even bring him. Uh, winner takes it all. Loser yeah, exactly. takes the fall. <laughs> it was a double elimination tournament, oh, David. That's what I don't understand. Why did he not have to face him again? That's all I want to know. Unless the championship round is winner, and I only my only theory, my only theory, (laughs) my only theory as to why they would mention that fifteen times is because someone, when they were watching the first cut of the film, said, "Wait a minute, we don't want people to think this is Rocky again, where like he loses and that that's the end of the movie. They're like just going to walk out. So we have to remind people constantly that even though." Lincoln Rocky Hawk loses that he's not he's really he's not out of it yet we promise this one's going to have a happy ending where Rocky was a little depressing but but uh, over the top leaves you leaves you satisfied that's right well heartwarming story about a father who kidnaps his son from his dying (laughs) wife okay (laughs) all right we got it okay next question why are the Hornets winning? Oof, that is a great question. Because Doug. they weren't. I, they, they were not able to do this very often before the All-Star break. Now, all of a sudden, they are on a four-game winning streak. Yeah. Why are and they that's winning? Why, well, that's why it's so hard to answer because there's such a stark difference in the way they're playing. I mean, one is rest. I think the All-Star break certainly helped some guys. Help is it's kind of in the same vein as that, but I think that's a bigger part of it. I mean, this, this is the first time this season that the entire roster is available uh, to Steve Clifford. And, you know, there weren't uh, sig- there wasn't a significant trade made that would shake up the roster. So I think getting all those guys back healthy, um, getting a, a little rest for guys. I mean, I think that's a real thing. Clifford mentioned how tired some of these guys were and, you know, the confidence is high. Um, they needed the Brooklyn win, and then they kept that rolling. So we'll, we'll see how long that can go. I mean, the shooting has helped. But they do look more energized. I, I mean, it's hard to fathom 
some thinking back to some of the games that we just saw, like literally two weeks ago, right up before the All Star break, even the Orlando game, it almost looks like a completely different team. I mean, except for Kemba, you know, everyone has kind of turned the switch on. Yeah, we talk about energy, and and you can see that in their screen setting. You can see it on the 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 precision that they have defensively right now. They're not a, allowing as many drives to the rim. They're winning more of those one on one battles. Special shout out to Nick Batum, who we don't talk about often on the defensive end. Three steals against the Pistons, two against the Wizards. Uh, he is getting out into passing lanes and creating turnovers, creating extra opportunities for the Hornets to score easily on the other win, or on the other end. They're getting off to great starts defensively, putting themselves into great positions heading into the second quarter, and more importantly, they've been able to close things out when it mattered against Orlando and Brooklyn, and then things were so out of reach by the time the end of the game rolled around against Detroit and Washington. And the reason it has been out of hand is because they are creating and taking more three-pointers, 44% on 30 attempts against Orlando, 52% on 21 attempts against Brooklyn, 44% on 39 against Washington, and 46% on 35 attempts against Detroit. We were lucky if the Hornets would go four or five games with with one of those games having taken you know 27 to 30 attempts. You've now got three yeah. out of the last four where you've got 30 or more. Yeah, everything looks better when the ball goes in. Hey, I mean, shooting... Covers up a lot of sense. We've always said that. The offense is faster. It's more unselfish. The Hornets are 27th overall in assists at 21.1. The last four games, they are 6th at 27.3. And it's easier to get assists, David, when you're making shots. That's that's (laughs) so key. Seven players in double figures on 28 assists against Detroit. And again, all five starters contributing offensively in different ways. The bench play has been stellar. It's been more balanced. A lot of that is Cody Zeller getting more comfortable and more a part of this offense. You're seeing some of those classic Zeller rolls to the rim. He's also contributing again on the offensive boards. He's leading the team once more in screen assists. And Michael Carter-Williams, we've mentioned him several times. He's getting his groove back. All of that is leading to less pressure on Frank Kaminsky and Jeremy Lamb to carry the second unit and less of a need for Kemba Walker to come in and save the day. Now the question is, how well, David, would they have to finish in your mind before you would be comfortable with this team eschewing any major retooling of the roster in the offseason if that opportunity presented itself? I think for them to argue that they don't need to do that, that it has to result in a uh, – they have to make the playoffs. I mean, otherwise – Which is still – let's just say this. Like, we're celebrating the Hornets playing better – but it's still a long shot that they make the playoffs. I want to be realistic with everyone. I mean, they still, I, I still think yeah. they need to accumulate 17 more wins. I still think they need, you know, 20 after the All Star break. They've got three, but that still means they, they need to go 17 <laughs> and five, uh, essentially, yeah. the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, they mentioned on the broadcast uh, during the Pistons game that Detroit has to play like 15 road games, I think, uh, to end the season here. Uh, whereas the Hornets, you know, the big thing for them, if they're going to make a run at this, is the the schedule. I mean, that's going in their favor. That'll continue to be a bonus for them going up against a, a softer schedule here to close out. But, you know, this season has been such a disappointment up to this point. Uh, these three games have been fun. But for me, you know, they've already let go of their GM and Rich Cho. 
Uh, there's going to be some changes made. You have to believe that. Um, and for them or for the, who knows what they're going to decide to do, but I think if they're going to stick with this route and not make any significant moves, even if they wanted to, you have to back it up with a playoff appearance. It's fun watching the Hornets play well. It's frustrating to see them play well in February and not, you right. know, here we are once again. But I think if they get to 40, for me, I'm not saying really? playoffs are bust. I'm saying if you can get to 40 wins, I feel like, so that would be two games under 500. You miss the playoffs. But I think, and honestly, I don't know if they could really retool. That's part of this. It's like, yeah. what would make me feel comfortable? It's like, if you can get to 40 wins, that means that you won, I believe you won 17 games. So that would be like, what, uh, 17 and 8 so, so you'd pretty, you'd still to get to forty wins. This team still has to do a lot of work and take advantage of a soft schedule. They still have four games against Philadelphia, though, and Philly is playing extremely well. One of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference. Winners of seven games in a row right now. So they've got them. They've got a game against Boston coming up soon as well on Wednesday, and then toughest test of the season, by the way, coming up on Tuesday. Their next game at home against. The Chicago Bulls. Can they do it? Can, Can they, they finally? If they do that, then I might really. Then you you're know, a believer. Okay, fine. <laughs> Brooklyn was great. Washington's a good team. They were without John Wall, though. Detroit, that they had just gotten blown out by Boston. Their heads are completely out of it. It's an afternoon game. So I'm still, I'm on the fence. I'm not ready to commit to this team making the playoffs. And I probably won't be for a while, but. If they can get a win over Chicago, a team that has just given them so many problems, if they can if they can exercise that demon, <laughs> then I might be ready to listen. I mean, it's still crazy to think about, though, Doug, because even if they want to make drastic changes, and we don't know who's going to be calling the shots, we don't know what direction they're going to try and take, but it's still it feels like it's still going to be tough for them to just blow the whole thing up. I mean – once we get back into the off season and the, you know, the Kimball Walker talk may heat up again, who knows? Uh, that would certainly be the first step, but it, it still feels like there's going to be several moves to unravel this thing. And I don't know. I mean, what's your feeling on how much positivity could they take it? Could they take out of making a, a good run at this? You know what I mean? Like how desperately are they going to look at starting completely over? Well, I said I said it after or I said it on the radio a few days ago. Like if you're a fan of this team and you want to see them do well next season, then they need to play well in this latter half of of the season because right. they I I think they're going to be to to have this same roster. I just don't see them being able unless right. they do want to do a full teardown. I think they're going to to stick with this and and see it out. And what they do two seasons from now is another question entirely. A lot of that is going to have to do with who they hire as their next front office official. But you know, it would be nice to. It would be nice, I think, if the experiment did work eventually, and and you had some confidence heading into next season, and if everyone stays healthy, you know, the, I think the nightmare scenario would be: oh, Nick Batum and Dwight Howard are never going to figure it out, uh, and and your bench, you know, Frank Kaminsky. It continues to struggle. Uh, you know, Jeremy Lamb struggles uh, in the second half of this season, and uh, you know, then the, you're going to have an even tougher time 
trading someone on this bench to to move a little money. I mean, all of those scenarios could have played out, but you know, you want this team playing well, bottom line, I think. And uh, right now they are, and we'll keep an eye on it. Stick with us. Locked on Hornets. Let's see. Did we get to everything? We did a weekend recap. We talked about your T-ball well, team. We, we, we talked about over the we talked about over the <laughs> top. Over the top. Talked about slot sure. Well, Doug, one thing we forgot to mention on Friday were the last two guys mentioned in the GM search. We had oh, yeah. someone on Twitter say we didn't, you know, recap the, the last two. So we can do that real quick. I don't know if we're giving picks necessarily, but the other two guys um, were one was David Griffin, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't see that guys, happening. No, um, that would kind of be a long shot to me. I mean, one. You know, one difference here, uh, he doesn't have a LeBron James. Now, if he can swing LeBron James, I'll be on board for that. Uh, if he can somehow get him here. Um, it's LeJean big... Brains. That's what I said. But the one guy that has uh, been interesting to me, Doug, is uh, your man Gerson Rosas. And there's no chance I pronounced that correctly. Do you have a, do you have a take on that? Gerson Rosa. I feel like you gave it the old okay. college try. I like it. Okay. I'm right. Um, so this guy has been in Houston with Daryl Morey uh, for the last few years. He's a, he's been in draft rooms, been part of executing big player additions, you know, has been part of that group there that's basically set up things to make big moves. Um, haven't really given out a lot of bad contracts. They've collected assets and then they've pounced on significant pieces when those chances presented themselves so i think that's an interesting uh way to look at building the team there they certainly have some success clearly and i think if you're looking to you know pick from a tree right now you could do a lot worse than looking at the daryl Morey houston rockets management tree you know to bring in someone and run your team he he did have a very short stint in dallas as the gm there for just three months uh and he left there doug because Apparently, he didn't feel like he had enough of a voice. Uh, well, with, and that's with, my my whole thing is it's not about who they hire. It's about what position are they hiring for? What yeah. kind of autonomy are they going to promise this person? Because I think a lot of these, these cats that are coming out of Houston and the Sam Hinkies of the world, they In do – and in San Antonio, they they want that. That's the dream is to come in and have that full autonomy and, and the power to make big, bold moves with the franchise and without, you know, feeling so much pressure from ownership uh, to to bring in results quickly. Um, that's I think that's going to be the big question. And if you're looking, I always say, like. You know, so many of these things are reactions to the reaction. So if you're looking for who the Hornets are going to bring in, I would start, I would at least start with your thinking with what is an opposite Rich Cho? Like what's the reaction going to be if Rich Cho didn't work or or perceived, it was perceived that he didn't work by the organization, then then which of these candidates is is least like Rich Cho? And it might be Buzz Peterson. <laughs> Might be the guy that's assistant GM right now, uh, so I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll keep tabs on. I think that was a good breakdown. Let us know who you think the Hornets should pursue for their front office position on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Instagram as well. Share this podcast with a friend. Tell people a what a podcast is, and then b uh, the podcast that they should be listening to 
for Hornets news and analysis. Thanks so much for listening uh, to this edition of Locked On Hornets. Uh, give it, yeah, shoot us your questions on Twitter as well at Locked On Hornets. We're back again tomorrow with much more. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm.